You're listening to Get Fed Today, one podcast designed to provide the Christian a hearty Bible study five days a week. While our mission is to showcase a variety of different Bible teachers, if you want to access more content from a particular pastor, simply listen to the end of the episode for additional information. On behalf of the entire team at Get Fed Today, it is our prayer that today's episode encourages your growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. My entitlement of this chapter is called, Where Have All the Good Men Gone? Isaiah chapter 57. Would you please turn with me there? A word from our sponsor. In Isaiah chapter 57, let me me first give you a little explanation and let us have a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we come before you. We ain't nobody, Lord. We're just broken, perforated men. We're poked, messed up, tore up. But Lord, it is you who have put us back together. It's nothing that we've done other than just recognize that we're broken. And you came and helped us. For me, Lord, what my mother couldn't do, what the PO couldn't do, what the police couldn't do, what juvenile hall couldn't do, what jail couldn't do, what the Marine Corps couldn't do, Lord, in one day you did it. And Lord, I still believe in you and I trust in you. But Lord, we know that we're living in some troubled times. We're living in uncertain times and Father... Being a Christian is going to get tougher and harder. So be with us. May your Holy Spirit saturate each and every one of us individually and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me give you a little rundown. First of all, um, at, at 2.10, at 2.10, I, I, I'm going to ask you, who's a bald-headed guy? Any bald-headed guy? Right here. What's your name, brother? Andy. Andy? Anthony, Anthony, at, at 1410, 2-10, please wave at me, please, because if I'm late, I'm, we're going to blame Anthony, okay? So Anthony, you just go like this, like, hey, cut it, Holmes, you know, please, because I don't keep track of time. I used to sniff glue, and so, you know, so please forgive me. <laughs> Speaking about time, you know, I, I, as an immigrant, I, I started listening to rock and roll. I didn't know the words, you know what I mean? But I liked American music. But in 1965, uh, a young group from, from Great Britain uh, came, and they had a wonderful song. And the, the lead singer was bad. He was handsome. He's cool. And, and, and he had a song called, you know, Time's On My Side. And, and when he was doing it back in 1966, yeah, but have you seen Mick Jagger lately? <laughs> Time ain't, I ain't, ain't on his side. <laughs> or worse, the guitar player, Keith Richards. He's worse, man. <laughs> At any rate, let me, let me give you a little background here on God's, what is happening here. You see, Israel was going through um, a state national calamity. But it was not a calamity of monetary or economic uh, collapse. It was a moral collapse. 
a moral collapse big time because there was a, na a nation, there was void, there was a vacuum of leaders, of honorable men, God-fearing, merciful, and righteous men. The only people that were thriving were the wicked, the apostates, the unrighteous, the immoral, the deviant, the sexual perverts, the idolaters, the ungodly, the unfaithful, the blasphemous, the covetous, the evilness, the profane, the violent, the pervade, the cruel, the degenerate, the proud, the crank and medheads. Well, they didn't have those, but you know what I mean. <laughs> the lofty and the debased. Uh, they were left to their own demise, to their own ways and their own deeds. Now, the leaders, the religious leaders, such as the prophets, the priests, the seers, royalty, monarchy, civil leaders, they were supposed to keep in check that society. But guess what? They were worse than the people. So as a, as a result, the nation was experiencing a horrific calamity. The religious, political, civil, social functions were compromised. And above all, as a result, there was this horrid irreverence towards their own God. Jehovah God was the norm to put him aside. They worshiped and they talked about God. Just like I read statistics that around 90% of Americans are Christians. Do you believe that? I don't either. I'm not a scientist, but I know that's not true. And so, so like, like today, the parallels of that time is that there were many people that were religious, but they had no relationship with God. And that's what we see today. We see so many large churches thriving. And I'm not referring to this one. There are churches that are thriving all over Asia, all over Mexico, all over Central America, and also in Africa. There's a great revival around the globe, except in America. I ain't lying. I know what I'm talking about. I've been there. There is a lot of hootenanny. There's a lot of motion. There's a lot of function at the junction, but without any unction. Hey, sounds good. <laughs> Boom. There's a lot of function at the junction without unction. I like that. I, I, it's recorded anyway, right? I like that. That sounded bad, dude. There's no, there's, 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 wait a minute, what did I say? I told you. There's a lot of function at the junction without any unction. And see, that's what's, what's happening in, during these times. The religious people were also in cahoots. God was soon to bring catastrophic, promised, hot wrath judgment upon his own people. And his own people couldn't believe that God will destroy his own people. There is no way. We are God's people. We are his heritage. We are the children of God. And the prophet says, our God is going to knock you down. He's going to smoke you. And they will say, no way. Our God, no way. We worship God. We love God. But then they'll go up to the mountains. And you see in a moment, they were worshiping these Canaanite gods that had to do with sexual pleasure. They were just basically faking the funk. 
They were just, you know, doing this. Glory to God. But then later on, this turned into this. That's what was happening. See, I just give you a visual. See, now I don't have to go, I don't have to describe anything else. I gave you a visual. We can worship God just like the picture in the program where we worship God, where we raise our hands, because I know what that means. When you when you put up your hands, that's the universal language that I what? I surrender. That's it. No mas. That's it. I surrender. That's it. And when we worship God, and we worship God in, in total surrender, in total brokenness, in total contriteness, when you realize and you say, you don't say it, but I understand it, because we used to say that when I was a Catholic, me culpa, me culpa, me culpa, which means I'm, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. And then right after you beat your breast big time, you go out there and smoke weed again. How do you know what I'm talking about? Shh. The other guys are lying. That, that's religiosity. And, and so the, the, the problem that was happening with these people here, here is the problem. The problem was that, that men, godly men, honorable men, merciful men were dying rapidly out of that society. But no one noticed. It's a type of the rapture. Before that judgment came, the righteous and honorable people were being either killed or they were dying of natural causes because God wanted to spare them from the judgment to come. It's kind of like a type of the rapture. It says here in verse 57, I mean in verse 1 of chapter 57, the righteous perishes and no man takes it to heart. Well, no one considers that the righteous is taken away from what? Evil. The righteous perishes. So this is God's indictment, you see. The righteous are perishing. They're disappearing. They're dying either through violation. They're dying to privation, deprivation, or violence. Now, let's describe a righteous person. Righteous basically means to be morally right. That's all it means. And God has given us his instructions on how to live and do things right. And so the morally right, the righteous people, the upright, the moral, those that had moral probity, those that understood their own morality and they were righteous, they were disappearing in the meantime, society was not even noticing, actually, no one cared. The moral climate was that bad that people were disappearing. They were saying, he died? Oh, yeah, he died. But no one said he was a good man. He was an honorable man. He's a righteous man. Look at Washington. Do we have any example of loyalty and honor and commitment and faithfulness? Do we have anybody? We, as a nation, there's a, there's a vacuum and a void of national leadership. Would you agree with me? Some of you don't agree with me. Do you agree with me? Yes. There is. But God never told us to look to the government to save us. 
God always told us to respect the government and pray for those in government, but to always look and, and stay focused on the word of God. Because governments will fail, the heavens will pass away, this world will pass away, but the word of God will never pass away. This is the word of God. And so God is basically indicting these people. When death is better than life. You see, death is an enemy. But Isaiah the prophet foresees a time of national turmoil and suffering. Isaiah foresaw there was going to be a horrible wrath violence of God. Many people say God is a God of love, and I say amen. God is a love of comfort, amen. God is a God of peace, amen. God is a God of joy, amen. God is a God of provision, amen. And when I say that God is a God that judges, they go, oh, hmm. God is a God of wrath. That's what the Bible says. So you don't hear that. But God is a God of wrath. There's a great wrath to come upon this world. Wrath is coming. We really feel it. We really sense it. I live in East L.A. And, and, and we don't get that much information. And we, don't, we don't trust CNN. You don't trust it. And, and, so, and so we trust on the living God. We, we, we believe what the word of God says so far He's 100% right. So far, so good. And when people get freaked out, what's going on? Hey, don't freak out. Actually, the Bible says, do not be afraid. You know, do not be afraid. But in the East LA Vernon, it says, don't freak out. Why? God is in control. But God has an indictment as he invites these two people. There are two kinds of people. They're, they're, the, they're the righteous. They're, they're, they are the, not only the righteous, but also the merciful men. They're taken away. And here Isaiah gives the warning that, that sometimes death is better than life. Because death, even to us, death is not a monster to us. But death to the believer is a minister to take us home to be with Jesus. He's a transporter. Instead of coming at your door, death is knocking at your door and scaring you. Just smile back. Hey, what's happening? Are you transporting me? Death is not a monster. Death is a minister. So the Bible says that righteous men, merciful men were dying. What God was angry about is that no one was noticing. When I was growing up, all I, all I could do was listen to the radio. There were some crazy songs back in the 60s. But there were some songs that would trick me out. There's, there's a group called... Um, see, I just sniffed glue, man, forgive me. Silver... Messenger service. Quicksilver messenger service. Boom, bada, boom. And there's a song they call Fresh Air. That was side A. 
On side B, I'm talking about a 45. You don't know what a 45 is, don't worry about it. It's not a gun. It's not, okay? And on side B, it was called The Pride of Man. And I love that song, and I have it on my iPod. It says, Oh, pride of Babylon, Babylon, you shall be destroyed by him. And I used to listen to these words, and I'm thinking, I used to be fascinated by them. Or, or how about Pacific Gas and Electric Company? Look at in 1970, these are the words. There's rumors of war, men dying and women crying. If you breathe air, you'll die. Perhaps you wonder the reason why. But wait, don't you worry. A new day is dawning. We'll catch the sun and away we'll fly. Are you ready? Are you ready to sit by his throne? Are you ready to be alone? Someone's coming to take you home. And if you're ready, he will take you home. Home. People say that he won't come. And I don't know what say you. But if he should, would you be the one? I got a little question I'd like to ask you. Are you ready to sit by his throne? Are you ready not to be alone? Someone's coming to take you home. And if you're ready, then he'll take care of you home. That's 1960. We're smoking weed. And I love this song. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Someone's coming to take you home. And if you're ready, he will take you home. And I'm like, who? <laughs> what throne? <laughs> and then, and then, you know, and then other songs, Spirit in the Sky, 1970. And then Creedus Clearwater gets in action too. Listen to one of their songs in 1969. I see a bad moon arising. I see trouble on the way. I see earthquakes and lightings. I see bad times today. Don't go around tonight. Well, it's bound to take your life. There's a bad moon on the rise. I hear hurricanes showing and a blowing. I know the end is coming soon. I fear rivers overflowing. I hear the voice of rage and ruin. Hope you got your things together. Hope you are quite prepared to die. Looks like we're in for nasty weather. One eye is taken for an eye. <laughs> like, what is he talking about? I mean, it's like, like, like you're singing with him, and, and, you, and then you say, what is he talking about, man? It's as if God was already preparing my heart to receive the Lord. If there was anyone... If there was anyone that God would not save, it would be me. Everybody in high school knew that I was going to die of an overdose. They knew that. They knew that. I carried money when I was in high school. I'm an 11th grader. I got so, I got racks of dollar bills. Why dollar bills? Because I sold reds for a dollar, so everybody gave me a dollar. For a high schooler selling reds, I, I, I was a pharmaceutical urban provider. <laughs> See, that's politically correct. I was an urban pharmaceutical representative. <laughs> and I would make money. 
And everyone knew, you're crazy, man. And the higher I got into the echelons of that madness, I realized that things were not right. Things were not right. In 1975, there was this hippie dude talking about Daniel. Didn't understand nothing about the Bible. He says something about Meshach, Rashak, and Randigo, and Lions, and Daniels. And I'm saying, that dude smoked weed and also took some crank. <laughs> but he was so excited about what he was saying. And then he said, your conscience is defiled. I didn't understand nothing about the Bible study. All I knew is that when he said, your conscience is defiled, that got my attention. And then when he gave the invitation, he gave the invitation, if you want to receive the Lord, man, you got to get up and come and accept him. For as many as received him, to them Jesus Christ gave him the right to life. And all of a sudden, all the songs of the past have came flooding in, and I realized these are what the homeboys were talking about. This is it. Salvation, forgiveness, intervention, mental hygiene, psychological balance, redemption, this is what I wanted. So, but I can't get up, man. See, I'm too cool. I'm not going to get up. I said, I'm not going to get up. I'm not going to get up. And guess what? I'm getting up. <laughs> there were three girls and myself. And we received the Lord. People were crying. I didn't feel nothing. Nothing at all. A week later, oh, man. All hell came out. I'm going, <laughs> everything came out. Everything. My whole life has been changed. I'm not done yet, by the way. I'm not done yet. God is still transforming me. God is still transforming me. Never thought that I would become a pastor. Never, never, never. See, that's 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 the uh, that's the abnormality. Of people from the hood, they said, Hey, Punch is a pastor. Come on, get the hell out of here. Any means a pastor. He's a pastor, Holmes. I'm like a, I'm like a curiosity. So they go to church and, and they go, Dude, you lost your hair. I said, Yeah, and you got fat. That was 45 years ago, Holmes. Boom. They come to Jesus just on the message alone. Because the powerful message of the Lord. But as, as Jesus, forgive me, as the Lord, as he speaks, he says in verse, in verse 2, that the righteous man and, 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 and the righteous man and also the merciful man, verse 2 says, and he shall enter into peace. They shall rest in their beds, each one walking in his uprightness. So, so they're disappearing, but they're resting in their own beds. See, there's nothing like your own bed. You understand? Our bed is so old. My wife keeps saying, let's buy a new bed. I like this one. It's all messed up. It's all messed up. But that's my bed. We're not talking about electric bed with number nine, number seven. It's just, it has no, no, no numbers. It's just nice. But it's my bed. 
I'm in a hotel right now. It's nice. That's little, you can play your buzzer. Ooh, nine, ooh, ten, four, five. No, I want mine. Zero. Ooh. That's comfort. And that's what God is saying, that God is taking him home. But then God brings another set, another group of people. This is what I would call the mockers and the idolaters. They were pagan and heathen worshipers. When they were not allowed by the law, according to Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. But Leviticus chapter 26, verse 1, says it very clearly, unequivocally to the people of God. This is what God said to them. You shall make no idols nor graven image, neither rear you up any standing image. Neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it, for I am the Lord your God. And notice how he described this people. He said, you are children and offspring of, of reprehensible elements. You ridiculers and your jeers and your mockers. You are baby killers. You are rampant infant, infant, infant size. Infant inside. I can't pronounce that. How do you say it? That's what I said. <laughs> baby killers. They had heathen rites, pagan rituals, and they were saying they were inflaming themselves with their God. See, I like words like that, inflaming themselves. What does that mean? I'll share in a moment what, they, what that means, because that's what's happening in our nation today. The pornography industry is in California, man. And, and, and we had to vote as Californians if if porn stars should wear condoms or not. There was a proposition. And we have to vote on it. And so, well, well, oh, yeah, 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 whatever, yeah, yeah. Just leave it alone. We're, we're, California, it, it, it's, it's, it's nasty what's coming out of California, especially San Fernando Valley. Some of the films that they're, we're watching now, when I say we, Americans, not we, okay? Like French and we, you know? No. <laughs> Us Americans. We're watching now films that I cannot even say from the pulpit here. We're not talking about just coitus and we're not talking about that. And I see we have some young men here and I don't want to go, but there are some films they're, they're, they're way reprehensible. They're diabolical. They're, they're, they're beyond reprobate mind. People already filming these kind of films and people becoming addictive. It's a, it's a very sad state. So God says to them in verse 3, But come here, you sons of the sorcerers. He says, You offspring of the adulterer and the harlot. Whom do you ridicule? That's, that's contemptuous laughter. Against whom do you make a wide mouth? That's jeering. And you stick out the tongue. That's ridicule. You know how silly they are? When we talk people to God today, and they say, God? Where's God? Do you believe in God? If, God was, if there was really a God, why would he allow this thing happen in New Jersey? Well, because New Jersey shores television and TV. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> a lot of people, 
I say, if there's really a God, why this, why that? And they ridicule God. They ridicule the Bible. They ridicule your commitment to God. They ridicule that you don't drink. They ridicule that you don't smoke dope anymore. They ridicule you. They, they, they belittle you and, and, and your friends, so-called friends. You're not a friend. If you have no more weed, they're no longer your friends. The only commonality you had in them is you, did, you both did drugs. As that was the only commonality. And that doesn't last. This commonality, this fraternity, lasts for eternity. This fraternity. And I'm proud to be part of this fraternity. And so as he brings his other people, he's not done with his indictment against them. He says to them in verse in the middle, in the middle of verse 4, Are you not children of transgression, you offspring of falsehood? Inflaming yourselves with gods under every green tree. The word inflaming basically means to kindle, to excite, to, to, to create passion, desires, to arouse basically to orgies. Because the Canaanite gods were basically sexual goddesses. And there was sex involved in part of their participation. And that's why it was so attractive. Because it's kind of worship where they will have raves, they will get loaded and they will have orgies, and they will go up in the high places, and God is bringing indictment against them. And then the worst, verse 5 in the middle, slain the children in the valleys under the clefts of the rocks? Question mark, like incredible. I mean, Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 31 says they would burn them. They would burn them. And so we have rampant baby killing. I, I wish I can pronounce the word correctly, but it's infant. I, say it loud. Infanticide. Infanticide? Infanticide? Ah, I said it. Cool. Sounds nice. And so there was rampant infanticides. And then it says here, he um, says, Among the smooth stones of the stream is your portion. They, they are your lot. Why would he say that? Because Jeremiah tells us that, that the people of God will worship like the heathen. And they will, worship, they will worship a tree. And they will worship smooth stones. And they say, you are our God. And Jeremiah will say, how foolish you are. That you worship a tree. That you worship stones. You have become just like the world. And here the indictment continues. He says... This is in verse in the middle of verse 6. They, they are your lot. Even to them you have poured a drink offering. You have offered a grain offering. Should I receive comfort in this? That's gross idolatry, my friends. On the lofty and high mountain you have set your bed. Even there you went up and to offer sacrifice. Also behind the doors and their posts you have set up your remembrance. For you have uncovered yourself to those other than me. Now look at the words and then you tell me what, what is the imagery, okay? And you have gone up to them. You have enlarged your bed and you have made a covenant with them. You have loved their bed where you saw their nudity. You went to the king, no doubt referring to the king Molech. You went to the false god with anointment and increased your perfumes and you sent your messengers far off and even descended even to the darkest place, which means show. What does that mean? 
there was great sexual intimacy with all these foreign gods. And basically, they were debasing themselves. You get worse and worse. I like what Peter says. It's like a dog returning back to eat his own vomit. That's not me. That's a graphic picture, man. That's graphic. I don't know if you ever puked. When I used to get drunk, I, all the, all, all, everything was spinning. The best way to stop everything from spinning is to put my middle finger in my throat and start puking. It would be like, it would be like me getting a glass and saving it for tomorrow's breakfast. Getting up in the morning, what's for breakfast? A puke from yesterday. <laughs> Wonderful. Put it on. See how graphic that is? These people were debasing themselves. There was a moral collapse that was undercurrent. The society was about to experience the judgment of God. But in God's mercy, he was either allowing the righteous people to get killed or the righteous people were just dying because death was better than the calamity that would come upon them. And then he continues, verse 10, he says, you are wearied in the length of your way. Yet, even though you were weary, yet you did not say, there's no hope. You have found the life of your hand, therefore you were not grieved. In other words, you know when you mess up real bad and you realize, I messed up. And you realize and you have come to the conclusion that you have hit bottom and yet you don't ask for help. And God says, why? What have I done to you? Verse 11. And of whom have you been afraid or fear that you have lied and not remember me, nor taken it to your heart? Is it not because I have held my peace from old that you do not fear me? I will declare your righteousness and your works, for they will not profit you. When you cry out, let your collection of idols deliver you, but the wind will carry them all away. A breath will take them, but he who puts his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain." So we see the, 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 the hot fury wrath of God's judgment upon them. But all of a sudden, here we go. Here's the grace of God. Judgment is coming. We know that. But even the Bible says that God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. You know what fascinates me? Paul the Apostle says that while we were yet sinners, God died for us. Now think about it. If God loved me when I was doing drugs and I was selling drugs, transporting drugs, planning drugs, God loved me. Imagine how much more he loves me now that I'm a child of his. What a wonderful love to have like that. What a wonderful emotion, elation, and feeling to have. One of the greatest things for me is to have a clean conscience. Pancho, are you saying you're very pious? Absolutely not. I, I tell you the truth, and some of you have done this. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe I'm the only one. 
But in the middle of prayer, we're praying, and I'm having a thought that is not godly. Anybody have that? Oh, my God. God bless you. Love you. Because it freaks me out. I said, I don't want to think like that. Lord, change that thought. Change that thought. I don't want that thought. I don't want that junk. And that makes me and allows me to pursue with more passion. Because I realize apart from God, I'll die. I don't know how people can survive without God. And so we see the mercy of God here. Although he knows it. Although the mockers know that. But there's always a remnant in the Bible. A remnant in the Bible always speaks that there's going to be a few people. They're going to be remaining faithful. To the words of Jesus, he says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. What about Matthew 7, 21? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, 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 will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And, and didn't we drive demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoer. And so there are people, thank you, thank you so much. See? Good timing, brother, good timing. That means I got on two minutes left. Love you. Oh, man. On. Now, here comes the last part. In two minutes, in two minutes, God, in spite of all these knuckleheads, in spite of their, 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 their sexual deprivation, in spite of their deviance, in spite of their waywardness, the, the God of grace comes in. He says, before the judgment comes, listen to what he says. It's very poetical. Verse 14. And one shall say, heap it up, heap it up. What? Well, see, what does that mean? Heap it up, heap it up, heap it up. What does that mean? That's just the word means lift it up. Get it out of the way. Lift it up. There's a sense of urgency. Lift up. Lift up what? Listen to this. He says, heap it up, heap it up, prepare the way. Here's what you got to heap out. Take the stumbling block out of the way of my people. A stumbling block is something that causes you to stumble. The question is, is that you need to ask yourself this evening, what is keeping me from running that race? You can answer yourself that question right now. Right now, drugs, alcohol. I, I, have, I have a little shaka con on my side. What could it be? Are you still hitting the pipe here and there? Are you still dealing and willing under the table? Are you still compromising? What is it? And yes, God says, hey, just take the hindrance. Take the obstacle. Take the stumbling block out of you. Heap it up. Heap it up. Listen, he continues. He says, for thus says the Lord, verse 15, for, for thus says the high and lofty one, him who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him. Now listen, with him who has 
a contrite and humble spirit. A contrite and humble spirit. A contrite basically means a repentant, remorseful, broken, shredded heart. When you realize who you is, is wicked. And when you realize that, like John said, you can't point fingers. Now you're off the wall, dude. I point one finger and three, I point it back at me. I can't do that. You see, when you have a contrite heart, that's what David said. There in, in one of his Psalms of, of, of repentance, he says, Lord, you do not rejoice in burnt offerings or else I will give it to you. You don't rejoice in none of that stuff. I know what you rejoice is. He said, you rejoice when a man has a broken heart and a contrite spirit. That you will work. Why? Because when you have a contrite spirit and a broken heart, you become malleable, moldable, pliable. But when you have a hard heart, yeah. So God has given a promise And he says, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So there's healing, there's reparation, there's restoration, there's comfort, there's peace, there's revification and healing promised by God. And just yesterday, I learned a new word, the word revification. That sounds heavy, man. Revification. How many don't? How many know that word, revification? Ah, welcome to America. The word revification means to impart new life, energy, or spirit to revive, insinuating that you're dead or walking like dead, and there's no energy. And God is willing to revivify you. It's called revival. And God says, but you need a contrite heart. And I close with verse 17. Verse 16 says, for I will not always contend forever. For, the, for I will, for, nor will I always be angry. For the spirit will fall before me and the souls which I have made. For the iniquity of his covetousness, I was angry and I struck him. I hid and was angry. And he went on backsliding in the way of his heart. I have sent I have seen his ways and he will and I will and will heal him I will also lead him and restore comfort to him and to his mourners I create the fruit of the lips peace peace to him who's far off sent to him who's near says the Lord and I will heal him but the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest whose waters can cast up mire and dirt there is no peace says my God for the wicked my friends, we're living in those days where righteous men are disappearing. And he says, but if you're one of the wayward ones, even though there's a judgment to come, God says, you would dwell with me in the high heavens if you have a contrite heart and a broken heart and you have humility. My friends, I hope and pray that you will make an impact in your sphere of influence wherever you go. America, the only hope that we have is Jesus 
Christ. There's nothing else. Let's all stand. Oh. Father, thank you for your wonderful grace and your goodness. Father, as we look at the horizon, as we look at the political religious landscape in the United States, we need more national leaders. We need more voices of truth. So, Father, in the meantime, in this vacuum, in this emptiness, we look to your word for that truth. Thank you for these men. May you bless their homes, their marriages, their children, their homes. And for those single, Father, we pray, Lord, that you may bring them a bride. And, Lord, we ask you, Father, that you will transform us even by this week. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this platform. Thank you for the opportunity that you have given me to proclaim, explain your gospel and your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Poncho Juarez. If you enjoy the message, you can access more of Pastor Poncho's teaching ministry by visiting thearcmontebello.com.